Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. Straight up to the claw. On this Monday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo! Burnsy, what's going on? Did you make it an addition to our studio. I did, I did, I did. It's right there. There it is. Your, your, whoa, hey, 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 feedback oh, with you. Whoa, hey, hey, hey. There it is. Uh, I the, added the uh, Zach Gallon. Zach Gallon, 44 and a third scoreless inning streak bobblehead, mm. of which he, what, is already halfway there practically <laughs> doing it again. What has he got, like 23 and he's two so, thirds so now? Good. Scoreless just, innings? He's so good. After his start on Friday, I wish yeah. other Diamondback starters would take his lead and see what he's doing. Uh, no. Gambo, did he hand it to you? <laughs> did you see him handing out his own bobblehead? pregame. No, was he really? Yeah, he was handing out his bobblehead to people coming in. Like, you know how they just hand it to you when you scan your ticket? He was there giving out his own bobblehead. Really? At yeah. like the front entrance? Mm-hmm. Wow. I heard he was so nervous his head wouldn't stop shaking. Oh, stop. Uh, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> terrible. It's brutal. It's awful. No, but I saw I actually like, kind of left out. It was funny. That's well, good. I was sitting, some guy like went, was like right there and he was like, he turned around and Zach Allen was like hanging at the end of the dugout and said, hey, and can I take a selfie? And he turned around and Zach Allen was like, yeah. And then he got a picture of the bobblehead. He was holding it up. So that's yeah, good. Right. Yeah. If you're, if at any point you're watching us on social media, Eric or Mitch put together a little video clip of us. Um, maybe you're doing it right now. There's, there's, Zach Gallon, right? He's like right over my right shoulder. So mm. hopefully you can see the Zach Gallon 44 and a third bobblehead that is now on display. I want my Chris Paul dominates the fourth quarter bobblehead. When do I get one of those? It's time for our top story here on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Booker holding with 10 to shoot. Gives to Paul, top of the arc. He takes the three, starts to drive, and then backs it out. Five seconds on the shot clock. Step back three on the way. And good for CP3. <laughs> Chris Paul, that was vintage. That was like uh, like listening to vinyl or an old cassette, right? That's like like going through a box of good stuff, and you go, "Oh man, remember this? Look at that!" And I'm not trying to belittle Chris. I mean, obviously he played great, but that was vintage, vintage Chris Paul in the fourth quarter on Saturday in the Suns game yeah. four win. And that's what I think they need to win a championship. Is I think they need Chris Paul to play like that. Maybe not for a full game. But definitely in spurts, in quarters, for a half. Uh, you know me; I'm a big believer that they don't win a championship if Chris Paul is playing like garbage. And even in, a, and I remember tweeting something out after the, the first quarter, like Chris Paul can't shoot again. You know, and they'd be like, and they'd be like that, too, that, too, that didn't age well, and all that stuff because he wasn't shooting the ball very well. But what he did in the fourth quarter was was terrific. I mean, he had he was five of nine from the field, twelve points. You know, he had an overall nineteen points, nine assists, burns, no turnovers, no. Turnovers yep. for Chris Paul. The rebounds, the steals, the block shots. I mean, he was everywhere. It was a great performance by Chris Paul. No, it was. And again, I'm, I wasn't. It, it was just one of those performances where that's Chris, right? That that's that's what we when we think about Chris, we think about fourth quarter takeovers. We think about him just dominating a game. That was a two point game with about eight minutes to go. And by the time he got 
got done doing his thing, the game was over, right? <laughs> By the time he hit that crazy baseline shot where he thought that the clock was running yes. out on him and it yeah. wasn't, maybe it wasn't completely over, but the damage he had done to the Clippers in that stretch was very reminiscent of the very best of Chris Paul, the things that he can do when he's on the floor in the fourth quarter. He he, he took it from Book. He took it from Kevin Durant. Neither of those guys had to do anything super heroic in the fourth quarter of that game because yeah. it was all Chris Paul. So he hits a mid-range shot over Covington. They're up 85-81, close game. Feeds Book for a three-pointer. Suns are up by eight. Forces a Clippers timeout. Feeds Torrey for a lay-in. Four-point game, 95-91. Hits the bit. I thought this was a big basket. The three-pointer over Eric Gordon to get, make it a 98-91 lead. Then he fed D.A. for a basket. Forced another Clipper timeout. Then he hit another open three. This one from KD. Suns are up by 11 at that point. And obviously the play of the game that you were talking about. Torrey Craig misses it along the baseline. He runs great. It throws up a floater and a prayer, and it goes in, and that put him up by 13, and that ball game was over. Sean, he didn't even need to take, really. Um, after the game, Monty talked about Chris Paul's impact on that game four. The mental fortitude that it takes to come back from the game he had the other day, all three of those guys are trying to figure out, like, you go, I go, that kind of thing. And I thought all three were in go mode tonight or, or today. But to see Chris, you know, <laughs> knocking down shots like that, and then the one where he threw up, he thought, <laughs> I don't know if he knew it hit the rim. Right. But I'm just grateful for his mental stamina and those types of, uh, or these types of environments where he's missing shots one game and he comes back the next game and, you know, he just does what Chris does. But there doesn't seem to be any doubt four games into this postseason run. And obviously the Suns are up three games to one. We'll give you all the details of the series and, and tomorrow's game five coming up in a little bit. There, there's Four games into the postseason, there's no doubt. It's, it, it's supposed to be a big four and maybe at some point, and we'll talk about this in the next segment too, at some point it'll be a big four, but Chris Paul has been like the fulcrum point, right? Like he has been been the guy that has stepped up as to make it a big three. He has been the guy who has played well and has kind of supported your argument that if it's going to go well, it's got to be because of Chris, right? It hasn't hasn't been because of DeAndre. I mean, that, that hasn't been the reason why. Chris has been the reason why in a lot of these games. He, he has. And, he, you know, it, there was a big two for all of these games, and you're looking like, I, I really believe they needed somebody else, and I thought it was Chris. Um, but Chris has had, like, that last game, game you know game three, it was really a struggle for him. What are we, five for 18? Five or for something? 18. One from eight for three, yeah. Yeah, and, and so for him to come back and play like that, and maybe it gives him some confidence. I mean, I think he needs it. I think they're all still trying to figure out a little bit. Like, like it does look pretty smooth at times when they move the ball around and find guys for open shots, but let's be honest, they are still trying to figure out you know how to play with each other. I mean, KD's not used to sitting in the corner waiting for the ball to come to him. So for all of these guys, it's something new. Chris is used to, uh, you know, being. We talked about this on Friday. Chris is used to being the focal point of the offense. Everything runs through him, and you know now many times throughout the game it's not. So he's kind of getting used to that. But that was a good sign for the Suns that he played so well. It was. It's it's a question now of, and this is the question that I feel like we're going to be asking all postseason long of Chris, and hopefully it's a nice long postseason. It's a question of consistency, and Kenny 
achieve consistency, or is this the best you're going to get from Chris Paul? And honestly, watching that game on Saturday afternoon and watching how it ended, that I unfortunately is the first thought that kind of goes through my mind, is that it's a question of, okay, game five is on Tuesday. Is it going to be the good Chris or the bad Chris, right? Is it going to be the Chris who, because I'm looking at his four games so far in this series. In games one and games three, he's seven of 26 from the floor. In games two and four, he's 16 of 31 from the floor, right? And it's and anybody who's watched these games knows it's you've either had impactful Chris or invisible Chris. Can he achieve a consistent level of impactful Chris? Probably or is that not. Just asking I mean, too much at this point. I mean, I think it's asking too much. I mean, you're just hoping that he can do it, you know, on occasion when they need him to. Remember, you you could you could lose games and he plays poorly, but in the games that they win, he plays well. If he plays well enough in more games that he doesn't play well, you know, that could be the difference. I mean, nobody's looking for Chris Paul to be great every single game, game in and game out. I mean, you rely on Devin Booker and Kevin Durant for that. What you can't have is you can't have Chris Paul being a nothing. You can't have Chris Paul being a zero. You know, not contributing anything. So for him to step up and, and show that, hey, I'm still capable, taking the load off of you guys, taking the pressure off, scoring when I have to, I'm still capable of doing it. I thought that was a good sign. Yeah, I just, I, I think it's a matter of knowing that you're going to have those down games from Chris and surviving them, right? Like you survived it in game three. You survived it. Chris Paul yeah. had was five of 18. He was one of eight from distance. You survived bad game from Chris Paul. It didn't, it didn't destroy you. In game one, you didn't survive it. You lost at home. I think you just kind of have to buckle up up for the inconsistency out of Chris and knowing that in game five you might not have the good version of Chris and if so you'll have to find a way to win without the good version of Chris I, I, I think we just have to accept that as kind of the reality well, of game CP3 three. Yeah. and they did win game they three did. They with won, Chris they Paul won going won one of eight him. from three point or five of 18 overall and they won that game without him so you know but that's against a Clippers team that doesn't have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard oh yeah you know what happens when you play a good team I mean can you rely just on Durant and Booker and not get as much out of Aiton and Paul, and I think the answer is no. I don't think you can win a series that way. I think they need them. Chris Paul on his fourth quarter. I think you decide that. I think the way the third quarter started, I was pissed. We all was. We was on the bench, sort of going at each other, you know. But it's healthy, you know. And um, just try to get us going. Try to get us going. And I try to get myself going defensively. You know what I mean? And so the shots, they're gonna come. We practice all day long, all day long. We practice for those situations. So when they come, uh, you know, you live with the results. Phoenix Suns are up three games to one over the L.A. Clippers. Uh, the NBA announced earlier today, uh, Denver lost last night to Minnesota. Yes. So they avoided Minnesota. Overtime. Avoids the sweep. Overtime. Fun game. Enjoyable game to watch. Anthony Edwards. Holy cow. That was a great shot. Um, if... Everybody wraps up their series tomorrow. Game one between the Suns and the Nuggets will be on Saturday in Denver. Okay, so they'll play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off. Yes. If so they get three days off. That's if Denver beats Minnesota tomorrow and if the Suns beat the Clippers tomorrow. If for whatever reason, either of those series goes to game six, then the Suns and the Nuggets wouldn't start until May 1st. So then it would be what day of the week is uh, that? That's Monday, I Monday. Believe. Okay, Monday. Yeah. So that's that's what's in front of you if you're the. I'm sure, Suns. the NBA would like to have these games starting on the weekend. I'm sure they would. Yeah, uh, I'm sure they would. So Saturday, Suns at Nuggets. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Are you putting it in your calendar right now? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. The, I mean, give Minnesota credit for not getting swept. 
give them some credit, you yeah. know, even though they blew it at the end of the game. Was it a 12 nothing run it was 12 at the end of the run. game? Yes, it was. Yes, it um, was. I, but give them credit for finding a way to win that game in overtime and at least, you know, say have some pride. Score the hottest ticket in town. Suns playoff tickets. Text the word tickets to 620-620. Get registered. Listen for your name today in our 5 o'clock hour. It's your chance to qualify for Game 5 tickets to see the Suns take on the Clippers. Again, text the word tickets to 620-620. Clearly, though, overall, beyond Chris, this was the best game so far for the Suns' big three. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Clippers. Now, Kevin Durant into the forecourt. Will the Clippers try to extend this instead? Booker straight through the lane. Layup goes, and the foul on Bones Highland. Another deuce and damage for D. Book with a chance at another 30-point performance if he can knock down the free throw. John Bloom with the call on Saturday. Phoenix Suns take a commanding three games to one lead in their opening round best of seven against the L.A. Clippers. 112 to 100. They show up and show out against the Clips on a Saturday afternoon. Now they get the extra day. They both get the extra day to kind of sit back, rest. I saw Devin Booker on Bally Sports afterwards. He's like, man, we need it. Huh. Give, me, give me the extra day off. We'll yeah. talk about the minutes. So now little... they're talking about they need it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's like, oh, yeah. Wait, I'll take the day off. I can use some sleep. I can use a little bit of rest. The big three, we just got done spending a whole segment talking about Chris Paul. Now he dominated the fourth quarter. Can he do it consistently? The Suns team is revolved around their big four, but it feels like their big three and their big three played very, very well on Saturday, especially yeah. in the second half of that I game. I thought it was their best game overall. I did. I mean, in game one, they combined for 60 points. In game two, they had 79, but 38 of those were books. And in game three, they had 84, but book had 45. I thought this was, you know, more well-balanced, right? This was, you know, book with 30, KD with 31, and Chris with 19. So I think that that was the best game that they played as a threesome. Now, there's been better games if it's just KD and book because Book had 45 and one and 38 and another. He only had 30 in this one. But the contributions from all three guys, Burns, yeah, I thought that was their best game so far. Yeah, I thought so too. And I thought you could point to moments in that second half. Obviously, we got done talking about Chris and everything he did. I think you could point to moments in that second half where they all did a little bit of something, right? Whether it was whether it was Devin Booker relocating on that pass to Chris, finding himself in the corner for the open three, or whether it was Booker's incredible, unbelievable cross-court pass to Kevin Durant in the corner. for like, How did he see Kevin that Durant? That was a great pass. How did he get that ball to Kevin Durant in a moment? And then Kevin Durant, man, I, we continue to watch him in the Suns uniform. He is the smoothest, easiest, most chill 30 points you've ever seen in an NBA game, right? Like, he makes it look positively effortless how he gets. What did he end up with? 31 points when he in that miss, game? When he misses a shot, you're almost surprised. Yes. Yep. Because when he rises up, it's almost like it's automatic. Yeah, and it's pure. It's as pure as pure gets. Like it's just, it's just the shortest distance between two points is a straight. It's like a yeah. straight line right into the rim with what he's able. It, it seems so easy for him to get his points. That you're right when he doesn't make a basket, when he misses a shot, it, it's unusual. You don't expect to see that. He was terrific. He just makes it look so easy out there. You know, I went through all the games that they played together. Um, 
you know, we have, you have that extra day, like the, the, the extra off day for us gives me a little time to do research and stuff like that. So, you know, the off day is good. So what I looked at is I looked at all the games they played and because they had the, what did I say? They had 80 points combined in this game, the three guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was only one game in the regular season where they had more than that, and that was the Dallas game. The Dallas game, they had 84 points, but KD had 37, Book had 36, and Chris only had 11. All the other games, Oklahoma City, they combined for 73. Denver, they combined for 62. Minnesota, 64. San Antonio, 67. Charlotte, 62. Chicago, 66. Denver, 69. So it was only that Dallas game where you could say, okay, that's where they, they had more points, but again, it was it was two-sided. It was Booker and KD, and it wasn't Paul. So for me, that's what, you know, Paul Paul had, Paul shot three for 12 from the field for uh, um, uh, uh, for 15 points. No, in the, in the win over Denver, KD had 29, Paul had 25, but Booker had 15. He shot 3 of 12. It was Book. So the, so to find a game where all three guys are really good, this is the only example. This is the only example is this game. Game four, out of all the games they played, where you could say, wow, those three guys were all great. That That's the only game they played where all three guys were great. Yeah, and now, uh, admittedly, and you pointed this out, there aren't a ton of games, right? I mean, because no, I was it's able been, to go through them all. It, it's, it's, it did, probably didn't take you very long because there just haven't been that many games where all three have been able to play because of the, you know, the unavailability of Kevin Durant and things like that. As far as Durant and how smooth he was out there, this is Monty after the game talking about Durant staying a on the floor. I, as I've said before, he's one of the best at changing defenses, putting big, strong guys on your scores to, you know, frustrate you, and they push it to the legal limit. And I thought Kev just stayed with it tonight. He fought for the ball a bit more than last game, I thought. And I think our guys did a, a much better job of finding him when he was open so he could attack. Um, but I, I do still feel like it's a work in progress. Now, uh, maybe this is just because they're playing the Clippers, but I'll tell you the narrative that's just been absolutely flipped so far in this series, free throws. Kevin Durant was 10 of 11 from the free throw line. He was 11 of 11 in game three from the free throw line. The team, how many times did we talk about the free throw deficit during the regular yeah. season and how the Suns were always on the wrong end of it? They've been killing the Clippers from the free throw and line. And how many times series. did Russell Westbrook go for the free throw line, go to the free throw line with all the uh, drives? Zero. 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 So Didn't Russell Westbrook, who drove on the Suns at will, doesn't get hacked once? Not once did they call a foul. And he went to the free throw. He went to the, to the to the hole all game, mm-hmm. and he doesn't get to the free throw line. But they're not complaining or anything. We'll see. But no, there was a big disparity in that game. The Suns, you know, have been getting to the free throw line more than the Clippers had. So it's something much different than what we've seen in the regular in the regular season. The Suns, okay, it was twenty seven to ten in terms of free throw attempts with Kevin Durant leading the way in that game. Um, it, to the point, and it was it, Kevin Durant had more free throw attempts than the Clippers did as a team. The, the Clippers were eight for ten. Kevin Durant was ten for eleven. Not that that's the only reason why he's having success, but the Clippers and I. And I think this does speak to not having Kawhi out there and not having Paul George out there. You don't get the respect. They're, well, you don't get the respect. You don't get the respect. They're just having a hard time guarding Kevin Durant. 
they don't have anybody who can guard Kevin Durant. It no. was borderline whether they had anybody to begin with. But now with those two guys out and not playing in this series, they've got nobody out there who can guard him really without fouling because he's so big and he's so easy on his feet and he's so quick to his spots and he's so confident in what he's doing that it's like the Clippers without premier defenders out there to stop him, almost like they have no choice but to try to foul him. And Nora Powell had five, five fouls before the fourth quarter practically He had started. two real quick in the first. Yeah. I, real quick. And not that he's guarding Kevin Durant all the time, but they're just I think they're having a real KD problem in this series yeah. without their two guys and out there And then I, you know, all, for, for two years I've been telling people the Suns don't want Eric Gordon. And now watching him day in and day out, I know why. He can't defend anybody. No, no. Like, you know, and I tell people, oh, the Suns don't like Eric Gordon. I gotta get Eric. That's why. He can't move. He doesn't move well. He can't defend. Okay, we keep saying big three, big three, big three. Talk about DeAndre Ayton for 60 seconds, okay. all right? He was good. He was good. He was good. It was his best game of the series? He was good. They, had a domin- they dominated the boards, which you almost expect because the Clippers have gone small at times and uh, they don't have the players of that caliber. But I thought I thought overall he was good. It was a, wasn't a great game, but... It was more consistent than the other three games, I believe. DeAndre Ayton today at shoot-around on people questioning his motor. Did you hear this yet? This is pretty good. No, I, hey, I don't know what that is, man. Yeah. Hey, motor, come on. Bro. I played both ends of the floor. My name is Dominic Ayton. I, carry the, uh, I anchor the Phoenix Suns on both ends of the floor. A motor, really? You don't talk about a motor, man? Nope. I run on Tesla battery. We're talking about practice. That's exactly what it said. We're talking about motor. That's, that's exactly We're talking what about it practice. Like, oh. You got to put that side by side. We're talking about We're practice. Talking about my motor, man. I got man, my name's Dominating. My name's Dominating. Uh, We're talking about practice, man. I don't know what my name is. I never heard DeAndre refer to himself as that. Uh, that was good. He talks a great game. He really does. He talks a great, great game. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, it is the week of the NFL draft. And there are rumors. Oh, are there rumors surrounding the Arizona Cardinals? We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona is open for business at three. I've heard from multiple teams that you can have the Arizona pick if you're willing to make an offer, which makes it really intriguing with all of these quarterbacks up top. You have a first-year head coach in Jonathan Gannon. You have a first-year general manager in Monty Asenfor. And you have an owner, Michael Bidwell, who looks to be maybe rebuilding this thing on the fly. Peter Schrager from Good Morning Football on the NFL Network, who tends to know a thing or two when it comes to the Cardinals. His five things that I heard this weekend. Weekend. Number four on his list of five, Gambo. Arizona is open for business. Open for business. At number three. Which should shock no one. Nobody. No one. Nobody. They they have had a terrible offseason. They haven't done anything except sign a bunch of special teams guys. Um, and, you know, one year guys, so I don't expect to have any impact. So they're going to have to build through the draft. They're going to have to get assets. I've always thought that they would, you know, that I would like to, you know, get Will Anderson at uh, three or four, um, especially four if you could get him there. But I don't know if that's going to happen now. I think more than likely you're looking at a Raiders trade, a Tennessee trade, something where somebody comes up and gets the quarterback. We'll see what the Cardinals get. But also, I've, I'll say this, and I, I do think that money becomes a factor because when you're paying pick number three compared to pick number 12, it is a huge difference. Signing bonus, guaranteed money, 
contract salary, like all of that's a big difference. So I wouldn't. But sure, you're not suggesting that's the only reason why they're doing. No, it, right? I think it factors though. I think it factors in. I wouldn't say it doesn't. I think it factors in because the extra inventory that they get is, is the, oh, main that's the main reason. Thing. That's the sure. main reason why they're the doing main it. Reason. Knowing you're going to get a bunch of first round picks or yeah. extra assets that you can use. I'm just saying, pick number three is awfully expensive. It's well, an expensive compared pick. to yeah, pick number eleven, depending on how far they fall down. What's, what are the what's the uh, what's Tennessee? Tennessee's 11. 11, 11. Tennessee's right. 11. Uh, Schrager, in addition to saying, hey, Arizona's open for business at number three overall, and of course the draft is coming up on Thursday. The Cardinals are currently sitting at number three. Um, Schrager also went on to say the Cardinals are very invested, as they should be, in Kyler Murray. Not only did JG, Jonathan Gannon, and not only did Monty, but the PR staff of Mark Dalton and Chris Melvin and Drew Pensing, the offensive coordinator, they all went to Norman, Oklahoma this weekend, God. and they were all there to support Kyler as his statue was unveiled. Now, a lot of critics were out there, and that's fair, saying, why are they doing that as opposed to being in the room, building their board and all that stuff? Truth of the matter is, that symbol was, Kyler is our guy, we are here for him, and we are a group that is going to have his back through everything. Kyler's the guy, which means three could be up for sale. Now, okay, I play that soundbite. I want to have the debate about the crew going to Norman for the statue a little bit later on in the show, because that has turned into a debate. One guy in particular who was on our morning show today it's kind of leading the charge on what seems like a silly debate. I played that soundbite, though, because the fresh batch of kind of mock drafts and suggestions that are out there are talking about offensive line for the Arizona Cardinals at number three or maybe in a trade down. We're going to go through some of the mock drafts right now. Now, some of them still have Christian Gonzalez, all right, player that I know you like if they trade down to number seven or maybe number 11. Peter King's mock draft today. He suggested that if the Arizona Cardinals stay put at number three, he thinks they're going to take Paris Johnson, the offensive lineman out of Ohio State. If he stays at three, doesn't have them staying at three, does have them moving down and making a trade with Tennessee. Um, and then you've got NFL.com's got a mock, has them trading down with Vegas, getting Christian Gonzalez. And then we're going to talk about the offensive line about three about 315 when we talk about McShay and what he said. But yeah, Peter King did say offensive tackle. He was going to go there at number three. If if they if if he didn't trade it, but he did end up trading it. So I think when you see Schrager saying that the cards are open for business, and then you see the most recent round of mock drafts, and you see Vegas, you know, a trade with uh, Vegas, uh, a trade with Tennessee, and I know there's some others out there. It's just. It seems to be what people are buying right now is that the latest is that the Cardinals are going to look to trade down. I think so much if they're going to trade down. And I assume, too, that they want to trade down. So much just depends on what happens at number two in front of them. Is C.J. Stroud there at number three? Do the Texans really pass on him? Are are people really buying this Will Levis going number two to the Texans? You know, as is he's like the odds on favorite in Vegas now to be the second round of the draft. CBS sports mock draft that I Bryce Young one, Will Levis two. Houston decides to surprise us all by selecting Will Levis. No one saw this happening two weeks ago. Then they got Tyree Wilson. It says Wilson's better suited for their new defensive scheme. This was the first surprise in my mock after Levis at number two, but it won't be the last. And he's got C.J. Stroud going to Indianapolis. So that is the uh, that is the mock draft by CBS Sports. Bryant McFadden did that that mock draft. I mean, so he had Levis go. In some ways, uh, I think the Texans not taking C.J. Stroud is the key to their their whole trade-down scenario, if you're the Cardinals, right? So C.J. Stroud is there at number three. And if you're the Cardinals and you are hell-bent on trading down, isn't that the guy you want there to be at three? 
Isn't he the one guy that you're hoping is available at number three? So I mean, I thought comes so until him? you sent me something today that kind of talked about. What was it? Was it? It's, the, a, it's a test. A co- the it's, cognitive test it's that an, he doesn't process the information as quickly as others. Yeah, it's not like a wonderlick test. It's it's something more about an S two test that apparently he just bombed, and maybe that's the reason why he's falling. I, I don't know, but but the mock drafts. But but I still think if CJ Stroud's there at number three, that's the Cardinals' best chance to trade out. Now, as you mentioned, the mocks. I, I've got I've got the Peter King mock. He's got Tennessee moving up from number eleven. To take C.J. Stroud. He's got the Cardinals following to, following to number 11 and taking Christian Gonzalez. You mentioned this CBS Sports. Well, no, NFL.com. Yeah, that's what it was. It's so the Raiders move up to three from seven, and the Cardinals move down to seven and take Christian Gonzalez. The Cardinals allowed 29 touchdown passes a year ago. This pick makes sense for the defensive mind in Gannon. If Jalen Carter is still on the board, Arizona could look to flip this pick, perhaps to the Eagles at 10, and still possibly land the Oregon corner. But the NFL.com mock draft 3.0, Eric Eldham, he's got a trade with Las Vegas. Raiders move up. The Raiders get the quarterback and he's got the Raiders taking C.J. Stroud at number three. All right, let's play the Christian Gonzalez draft profile. I think we all know who voiced Mm. this one. Yes, we do. Hello, Oregon Duck Aaron Maloney. Christian Gonzalez, cornerback, Oregon. Gonzalez was as big of a winner as anyone at the NFL Combine. He posted a 4-3 40-yard dash, 41-and-a-half-inch vertical, and 11-foot, 1-inch broad jump that caught many eyes around the NFL. He's an explosive cornerback that made 12 starts in 2022 at Oregon, where he posted 50 tackles, 7 pass breakups, and a team-leading 4 interceptions, ultimately earning himself first-team All-Pac-12 honors. At 6'1 and 197 pounds, Gonzalez has the desired size and athletic traits to match up against opposing teams number one receivers. His technique will get away from him at times, but he has all the ingredients to become a true CB1 at the next level. NFL comp, former Cardinals cornerback, Dominique Rogers cromarty Get him and a bunch of picks to go along with moving down, either to number 7 or to number 10 or number 11, as some of the latest mocks suggest. It's not a bad deal, given if you're able to address your CB1 position moving forward, because they need a CB1. They do. I mean, that pick's not a bad... If you move down and get inventory, I'm fine with that pick. They need corner help, for sure. They got to address their line, offensive line and defensive line, and that's where you want to build, but sometimes you can't pass on a talent like that. Now, you know, they, they, they let Byron Murphy go, They've got Marco Wilson. He didn't grade out great last year. So I do think that that's an area just, that is almost just as important as having a good offensive and defensive line. So it's a major area of need for the Cardinals. And then you take this from Albert Breer. If there's a curveball coming, he writes, I've heard the Cardinals love Devon Witherspoon at corner and Paris Johnson at tackle. There's that name again. Paris Johnson. It keeps coming up, right? Lots of suggestions out there. But have we played his draft profile yet? Who? Paris Johnson? We have not. Would you like me to play it? Yeah, let's play it. Offensive lineman. It's the new crew. Oh. So it's either... Who got the last one right, me or you? I don't recall. Anybody? Anybody? You know what? I defer to you. Go ahead. You pick first. All right, what's it? The new crew? New crew. Zach, Jarrett, or Jesse? I'm going Jared. You think it's Jared Carlin? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say that it's Zach. This is Paris Johnson Jr. 
Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle, Ohio State. Johnson Jr. is a lengthy athletic offensive lineman who has the traits to become a long-term starter on the left side. The six foot six inch, three hundred thirteen pound former Ohio State Buckeye is capable of playing guard and tackle. He does need to add muscle, improve his technique, and his ability to defend the spin move. NFL comp, Vikings offensive tackle Brian O'Neill. Jesse, yeah, we both got it wrong. I was going to go Jesse and I switched Jesse. to Jared last second. There is a report from Mike Garofolo that Kyler Murray is said to like Paris Johnson Jr. very much. He sent out a tweet. Whether that has anything to do with the price of tea at China, I don't huh. know. But there's a tweet from Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network where... But since I told my wife that's that statement, she uses it three times a week on me. Does she really? What does that have to do with the price? What does it have to do with the top price of tea in China? Like something I grew up with. I said we said that all the time. Yeah. And now my wife actually turns it around and uses it on me. I imagine you say a lot of things around the house that cause her to say that. Yes. I'll say something to like, what does that have <laughs> to do with the to price of tea in China? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> what so, the hell does that mean? Exactly. Text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. It finally happened. Thank goodness. Aaron Rodgers out of the NFC in the AFC. What price did the Jets pay to get him? The we'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. <laughs> the Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, let's roll out our poll question for the first time today. And for that, we turn it over to Eric Ruby here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Ruby, what do you got? You guys just talked about the offensive linemen now creep into the top of the draft. So we figured it was time just to get a temperature check. If the Cardinals were to stay at the number three overall pick and use it on an offensive lineman, how would you feel? Good? Meh? Or bad? Well, when you say meh, you mean like meh, right? Like, like, like okay, okay, like, okay, good player, whatever. but okay. you pick an offensive lineman third. I would not, I would not feel good about them pick with with the dominating defensive players in this draft. If they come up with an offensive lineman, I would not be, I would not think that that's good. Trade down, I'm down. I'm down for an offensive lineman if there's a trade down. Fine with that. But staying at number three and taking an offensive lineman? Uh, no. I feel beyond meh about that. I, I do not. I think that's a bad idea for them to do that. I this don't like one, it. pretty evenly spread out, but still a clear leader at 41.9%. The people would feel meh about them taking an offensive lineman at three overall. In second place at 33.6%. They'd feel bad about it. They're in the same boat as you guys, only 24.6% would feel good if they drafted an offensive lineman at the number three pick. And of course, first of all, of course, part one, you can find the Twitter poll question on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. One word, at Burns and Gambo. Number two, this is lying season. Everybody knows it. The the, the words you hate to use, subterfuge, it's it's thick out there. Man, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff being thrown out there about the draft. I don't know what's true. I don't know what's not. I don't know what to believe. I don't know what not to believe. The Cardinals staying at number three and Taking an offensive lineman, that strains credibility. I'd be bad. I, I <laughs> look. I think if they, if they, I That'd think that bad. would be bad. That would be terrible. Like they stay at three to draft an offensive lineman. I got to bet with Burnsy on this, and I'm going to talk about it later. But um, if, there were too many other good players that you'd have to pass on to take an offensive lineman. It's not rated as high. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, we'll we'll revisit Gambo's bet that honestly I had forgotten all about until he brought it up. During our round of emails this morning, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But in the meantime. 
time. Let's talk about what is kind of the top national story of the day. Ooh, let's do it. Let's do it. It finally happened today. Aaron Rodgers going to the New York Jets. Our, yep. I can see out of the corner of my eye our boss, Sean, is a big Jets fan. I can see him doing the He's team. happy, huh? He's very happy. Well, Aaron it's Rodgers the first, it's the first good quarterback they've had since Kenny O'Brien. That's probably not much of a stretch it's the to truth. say the that. Same, no. And Kenny O'Brien was in the same draft, the famous draft class with Marino and Elway, that, that great draft class. But Kenny O'Brien, uh, this is the best quarterback that they've had since Kenny O'Brien. 40 days to the day after Rodgers announced on the Pat McAfee show that his intention was to play for the Jets in 2023, it finally happened. Now, here's the detail of the, the deal. The Packers agreed to send Aaron Rodgers and their first-round pick, number 15, uh, and a fifth-rounder as well, to the Jets. It's a first-round pick swap, basically. The Jets are... The Jets only... Moved down two spots. The Jets only moved up two spots. Yeah, yeah, move up, improved two spots. two spots. But they also get a second rounder this year. They get a sixth rounder this year, and they get a second rounder next year that can become a first if Rodgers plays sixty five percent of the plays this season. So the Jets move up. Jets, Jets get a better pick. So they move up two spots. They move up two spots. They had the fifteenth pick. Now they get the thirteenth. So pick. they don't. So basically, they're not giving up a first round pick. No. They're giving up a second-round pick this year, a sixth-rounder, and then a conditional second-round pick that could become a first if he plays 65. So they could end up giving up a first. They couldn't end up giving a first if Rodgers plays more than... Now, what I don't know, and I saw some people arguing about this on Twitter, and I'm not exactly sure how this would work, if Rodgers only plays one year, but he plays in more than 65% of the snaps... I would presume the Jets would have to give up a first-round pick next year says. for a guy who's not even on their roster if, if he plays six, chooses to only yeah. play one year, right? That's yeah, what I, I, I mean, I, I wonder if you look if, if, if things aren't going well and this is going to turn out like you know like Brett Favre, maybe you, sh- you shelf him. Interesting. In the New York Post, it says Rodgers has permission from Joe Namath to wear number twelve. That's retired in New York, but he's not going to. He's not going to. He's not going to. He's going to wear his number eight yeah, from his wear, days at Cal. Yep. According to Adam Schefter, um, the Jets are expected to become primetime darlings when the NFL schedule is released. They could be on primetime up to six times, according to Adam Schefter, now that they've got Aaron Rodgers. Mitch and I were talking about this before the show, and he brought up a really, really good point. It is a shame in some ways that the Arizona Cardinals aren't more relevant now. That the Arizona Cardinals don't have a healthy star quarterback because now. there's no good quarterbacks in the NFC. The, but we've been it, saying it, this for two years. But, but the, one of the last few ones, yeah. he's gone. Gone. He's gone. Aaron Rodgers is out yeah. of the NFC, and you are not in a position to be able to take advantage of that. It's a shame. I, I feel like me and you have been talking about this topic for a very, very long time. The great quarterbacks are in the AFC. The average quarterbacks are in. The NFC. Who's a better quarterback than Kyler Murray in the NFC? In the NFC? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. And. And Brock Purdy. And <laughs> stop. <laughs> and no, like, but I'm not saying Kyler's head and show. Kyler's in a group with all those other guys. The clear cut one is Hertz. Who's the next best? I mean, Kyler's in a group with seven or eight other guys battling for that number two. There's not a clear cut number two. And I'm not saying Kyler's the second best quarterback no, in the I'm, NFC. Yeah. Don't get me wrong here. I'm just saying there is not a clear cut number two guy. Okay, so your options are Dak. 
besides Jalen Hurts. Don't Dak, like him. Daniel Jones. Don't like him. Kirk Cousins. Don't like him. Jared Goff. Don't really like him. Jordan Love. Don't know him. Justin Fields. Don't really know enough about him. I'm not going to mention one cat from the NFC South because they all stink. Brock Purdy, uh, Geno Smith, and Matthew Stafford. Those are your NFC quarterbacks. Is there somebody from the South I'm forgetting about? Stafford's won a Super Bowl. Can you make an argument that it's him? But he's hurt. He's hurt. And he's old. I would argue when he's healthy, he's as good, if not a a scoach better than maybe Kyler Murray is. If he's healthy. I would agree. How healthy is he going to be? I don't know. Right. But, I mean, if you're in the A, that's why, like, you're always surprised when a guy goes to the, a veteran quarterback goes to the AFC. Why? Yeah. Go to the NFC. It's a lot easier to win in the NFC. Yeah. To your point, Field Yates tweeted this out when this news broke about uh, Aaron Rodgers. There are three active quarterbacks that have won MVP in the NFL. All three are in the AFC. Mahomes, Lamar, and now Rodgers. There are six active quarterbacks that have been named an All-Pro. Five of the six are in the AFC. Mahomes, Rodgers, Lamar, Josh Allen, and Russell Wilson. They're all in the AFC. Well, They're all in the AFC. And the listen, Cardinals are not poised to take advantage of it. And, listen, and maybe someday they will be, but who knows? The Giants are always going to be top dog in New York. Okay, always top dog. Um, but the, you know, the, the Jets aren't like the Nets. The Jets are very popular. They've got a great fan base. They've had you know some success over the years. They did win the most important Super Bowl in the history of Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. There's never been a Super Bowl more important than the one they won, Super Bowl three, when they beat the Colts. So you know, but but they haven't been, even been back to the Super Bowl since then. That's the last time they were in a Super Bowl. They haven't even gotten to a Super Bowl since '69. '69 was a long time ago. You were you weren't even a young man. No, I was not. A you young weren't man. a man. You weren't a boy. You weren't anything. I did not exist. You didn't even exist. <laughs> I was not. I was not here when that happened, so I can't speak to it. I have no best quarterback no since reference. Richard Todd <laughs> for the Jets. I'll take, I'll take New York Jet quarterbacks for two hundred, Alex. Richard Todd. Mm-hmm. No, um, who am I thinking? No, no, Chad Pennington. He's not in there. He stunk. No, Mark Sanchez. He He's stunk. not in there. No, Mark Sanchez <laughs> took him to two AFC title games. No, the defense. Defense took him to two AFC title games. <laughs> Mark Sanchez didn't do crap. So, okay, now, now I tell you what people were talking about in the building, yeah. and I don't know if the Jets have the capital to make this work or not. Since they didn't get OBJ, are the Jets a target for DeAndre Hopkins? We talked about that a little bit when, because Aaron Rodgers kind of had that list of demands. You know, right? He he got a little squeamish at the idea that they were actual demands, but Aaron Rodgers had things that he wanted. OBJ was one of them. He's now a Baltimore Raven. Do the Jets, I don't even know if they have the inventory left, my, but do they try to make a run at Hopkins? Listen, my guy in New York that I worked with at Newsday, Rich Samini, says no. He does not think the, that the Jets are in on D-Hop. So I know he tweeted something about it not too long ago. I think he included it in one of our emails. We're just going back through his timeline. But I don't think that I don't think the Jets, based on what he's reporting, he doesn't think the Jets are interested in D-Hop. That is the next trade to happen before the draft. Will it? Like, nationally, everybody was waiting on Aaron Rodgers. Is it going to? Everyone knew it was going to happen. It was just a question of who was going to bend and who was going to give up the thing they didn't want to give up. All right. So it's happened now. Does D Hop happen before Thursday? Does that get done before? I, you know what? I won't even say Thursday. I'll say, be, I'll say the day of the draft. Because, okay, the day. That, Maybe the day of the second round of the draft. Because the yeah, Cardinals yeah, are getting yeah. a first rounder for DeAndre no, Hopkins. No. So before we start the draft on Friday, is DeAndre Hopkins a member of somebody else's organization? Before that draft starts. 
Um, I think on Friday. Yes. But I don't know if I'd say before. Okay. I it think might on be Friday. like a tra- Listen, if you like a I think if you Friday. like a wide receiver in the second round or third round that that you're looking at and you don't get him, then maybe you pivot to D Hop. Yeah. But I don't think I, I, so. I, I think it could be the draft day. You know, it's on April sixteenth. He said, uh, he, "Don't get your hopes up for uh, for DeAndre Hopkins." This is when your New York. Yeah, Rich Samini's been yeah. covering the Jets for a hundred years. Texas, just <laughs> wow, that's some kind of a record, I would think. Yeah. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now? It has continued to be a concern of ours heading into the postseason, and so far, four games in, it's been revealed to be a concern. The question is, how worried should we be about? This for the Phoenix Suns. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show.